Over the past three and a half months, we've talked to a whole bunch of very smart people about a number of important public policy questions. In a way, though, all of those discussions were merely opening acts for the General Assembly's 2017 headliner, that is, the formulation of the state's biennial budget. After all, when you get right down to it, putting together a two-year spending plan was really the General Assembly's only mandatory assignment. Most of the other bills that emerge from this session will, in some way, rest upon, fit within, or contribute to that all-important fiscal framework. Hi, I'm John Chuanis, and on this edition of Indiana Lawmakers, we'll focus on the legislative budget process and on what's likely to unfold in the remaining days of the session. Let's start with this update from WFYI Public Media's Eric Weddle. It's crunch time at the Indiana State House, and the biggest issue yet to be worked out is the two-year budget. Senate Republicans are fighting for their $32.1 billion balanced budget plan, but it's at odds with major goals of the House, a cigarette tax and funding for the state-sponsored preschool pilot. Governor Eric Holcomb and Senate Democrats have sought to double pre-K pilot funding from $10 million to $20 million a year. Republican Senator Luke Kenley has fought that all session. He wants only $3 million per year increase to the pilot and another $1 million for a new pre-K virtual homeschool program. Democrat Senator Mark Stoops disagrees. So really, we're only increasing $4 million for this huge expansion of pre-K in Indiana? That's right, and I think it is a pilot project, and I think when we passed the original bill, we, would, we agreed at that time and if you look at the statutes, the statutes still carry this language, that we would see what the, the study said when this cohort reached the third grade, and they have not reached the third grade. Another debate is over cigarettes and roads. House Republicans wanted a $1 tax increase on each carton of cigarettes to replace revenue from the gas tax. They hoped the gas tax could pay for a road funding plan. But as House Minority Leader Scott Piloth says, Kenley didn't like that either. Kenley wants to save a cigarette tax to help fund health care if the federal government makes cuts to Medicaid in the future. Those are the types of things that make me wonder um, how much negotiating room there's going to be between the two houses because certainly uh, he actually uh, became a little bit more onerous when it came to uh, uh, fees and taxes and tolls even than what the, the House of Representatives had. So we're, it's going to make for an interesting conference committee time. Lawmakers could likely debate the budget until the last day of the session. For Indiana Lawmakers, I'm Eric Weddle. Thanks, Eric. Back in a moment with our weekly roundtable discussion, and I could give you about well, 32 billion reasons to stick around. Indiana Lawmakers, from the State House to your house. Purdue startups speak modalities, helping children and families coping with nonverbal autism to develop communication skills, helping people changing lives. Purdue Research Foundation. Contact innovation at prf.org. There's the formal multi-step budget process, and then there's the way things get done. Now, the former goes on for close to a year and involves lots of give and take among various state agencies, including the State Budget Agency and the Governor's Office, followed by even more hearings, amendments, and votes in the General Assembly, first in the House and then in the Senate. The latter process, now underway, is far more compressed and far less convoluted. Basically, my guests will go into a room, close the door, and come out with a budget. 
or they could be even more efficient and just figure it out right here and right now over the next 25 minutes or so. I am pleased to be joined by the General Assembly's primary budget architects and conferees, Republican Representative Tim Brown of Crawfordsville, Chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, Democratic Representative Greg Porter of Indianapolis, the ranking minority member of that panel, Republican Senator Luke Kenley of Noblesville, Chairman of the Senate Appropriations Committee, and Democratic Senator Karen Tallian of Portage, the ranking minority member of that panel. Are you going to fulfill my wish? Um, I think so. Why not? Uh, All right. Well, it's just a, just a quaint little gathering here, just a few people talking. Uh, assuming you don't want to indulge my fantasy, I'm, I'm intrigued, and I think a lot of people are, about once you do go behind <coughs> closed doors, give us a look behind what ha I mean, the mechanics of it. We'll get to the nitty-gritty about what you're debating here in the final days of the session, but I mean, is it like a poker game? Do you arm wrestle? Do you uh, wear eye shades so you don't reveal your... I think so. true poker face? Uh, we, we create a checklist of differences between the budgets and uh, actually have about three different ways to look at it. We have it side by side as well as just a checklist of differences. Uh, and there are things that we put in the budget that we know one side likes, the other side doesn't like so much. And I do you mean talk. A little horse trading? A little horse trading. Okay. And, I, and I do talk to the Senate sometimes about marks or tally marks that we keep uh, on uh, the debate and compromise back and forth. And, and that list you mentioned now, I, I saw Brian Bosma, the speaker, quoted as saying there are 70 differences uh, in in the bills at this point, in the House and Senate bills. Does that I sound? Be, I believe that's only, what Senator only Kim, seventy. Yeah. Seventy. Yeah. Oh, wow. You've got okay. to whittle it down to seventy. So, uh, I mean, is that a fair assessment of what goes on back there? Is it? Or again, are we? Am, is there something that is more mysterious than that? And how do you have yeah. a say? You're in a, what's the opposite of a super majority? A super minority. A super minority. So, I mean, how do you have an effect? We, what we've done as we go through this whole process, we've talked about things that we would like to see in the budget bill. And I'm quite sure that uh, Dr. Brown and, and Senator Kelly has sat back and kind of looked at what we would like in the budget bill also. So um, we, we, we try to help direct, but we try to look for some common ground. And, of course, anything they do, you, you look at, you know, what you can agree on versus what, you know, you will not agree on, then you try to come halfway through. So that's the first 30 seconds of the meeting you agree on, and then you right. move on from, from right. there. Right, absolutely. I mean, that's where it you is. you get a check mark for that one? We'll, just, have, to, yes. we'll have to see. Brown yeah. always has a lot of check marks in his <laughs> column. I don't know. I'm not sure how we're keeping score here. Yeah, now, we also have a list. We also make our own lists, and then... Mm -hmm. You know, we have to watch carefully because I will never go into Luke's office and ask for something that he's already got on there. You know, we, we, we don't ask for what has already been given. So yeah. we no check off ways. our lists. Well, all the secrets are coming out. Yeah. Yeah. There goes yeah. your bargaining strength. Yeah, yeah. But, right. You know, as you're seated here, and normally this would be the way these sort of things traditionally have unfolded. There are Democrats on one side, Republicans on another. But since both caucuses, Republican caucuses, are super majorities in their respective chambers, the friction uh, or differences appear to be um, between the two caucuses, the, the House Republicans and Senate Republicans. Fair assessment? Uh, I think right now, you know, we all want to live within our means, and so it's just a priority level, and that's part of the budgeting process is what is the priority level, and that's what we'll discuss uh, over the next 10 days. Well, he, he, I, he's nodding so that you can well, put that down. We, as, do. uh, we have a lot of common ground, and Tim and I always start from the standpoint that we not only try to balance the budget over the two-year cycle, we try to balance each year so that you have more income than you do expenditures. And Indiana's been on this track for eight or ten years. It's proven to be really successful for us, John, because uh, 
and maintaining a decent surplus is a key because as things come along that you need to do, if you have a good budget, if you're not under stress, then you have choices, you have opportunities. Like when we paid off the uninsurance thing for the employers a couple years ago and they're paying us back steadily on that, why we saved them a lot of money by having the cash to be able to do that. So we're in a good place right now. Well, let's, let's look ahead at the numbers. We had a, a bit of a, uh, a look at a crystal ball of sorts, fiscal crystal ball this week with the release right. of the updated revenue forecast. And compared to what had been released in December prior to the session, this suggests there might be as much as $200 million more uh, in revenue by the end of the biennium upcoming than was projected in December. I've heard several of you say, quoted as saying, doesn't matter. I mean, does it matter to you? Does Absolutely. that make the job does, easier or, or tougher? Uh, from, from my window, it makes the job a little easier. Um, you know, we, we're talking $200 million and we were talking earlier, is it $300 million or $200 million? I'm going with the $300 million more than what was projected uh, in, in December because that means we can do some things with pre-K and uh, you look at kindergarten and, and, and other uh, programs like that in education. I think it's very crucial to help. So you think it look does at the, loosen look, it up yeah, and maybe and look at the human infrastructure. Some funding and priorities that right, the and, and look at the human, the human infrastructure of, of the state of Indiana. Look at his well, residents. Senator agree? Yeah, um, sort of. I also think that the way that the Senate Republican budget came out, we didn't have a large surplus at the end That's of right. the first year. And so the fact that we'll have a little extra money pads that up a little bit. Yeah, but Thank you for helping on that. Uh, but I'm also, you know, got a, loot, a list that I'm going to see uh, Senator Kenley about today. You'll pay today for those saying, kind words, I think. Saying, <laughs> you know, well, we could just afford these couple little things, you know, that maybe we couldn't afford before. Well, now, he so, called it, uh, you were quoted as saying it's uh, uh, petty cash. Just, I mean, now... It's Again, very, I guess in the scheme of a $32 billion budget, it's yeah. petty cash, but you don't see this as an opportunity to loosen the purse strings at all. No, it? and probably, John, I'm a little perhaps too cautious because in 08, as we were making a forecast, the crash was coming down around us and we just paid dearly. So you always have to be on the conservative side of that issue. I, you just can't afford not to Well, and, and what factor, uh, I guess this is the great unknown with a new administration in Washington. That, that's right. And what uh, any changes, if there are changes, uh, to the well, Affordable Care Act might mean for is, Medicaid you know, funding at the state level. We can undo economic cycles. And in August of 18, uh, will be will be the record of a bull market in the stock market. And what is the likelihood we're going to beat that record? I mean, records are there to be broken, yes. But that'll be in the middle of our budget if we don't break that record. And that means a bear market comes in economic times on a downturn. Right, and, and, and I agree with Dr. Brown because there are, that cycle is, and we've looked at it from the Democrat side also, said, okay, what potentially can happen? And, uh, you know, we don't, want, we don't wish that upon us, but, you know, sometimes it's a reality. Uh, and then we will have to ask for our friends in D.C. To, to try to help us out. But, however, I, we believe we're, we're not a tax and spend caucus. We're, we're not. We're, we are very uh, conservative also in regards to what we need programs to help 
the people of the state of Indiana. In fact, Earl said that uh, the new the new uh, tax and spend caucus would be his Republican uh, your counterparts across the aisle. I See, I'm trying to stir the pot a little bit I, here, but I agree, my leader. <laughs> <laughs> let's, now that you've all warmed up a little bit, our version of uh, legislative calisthenics. Let's uh, get into the specifics again. Uh, transportation funding. There's another bill that's a companion bill, but I mean, you can't have one discussion without the other. That seems to be a, a big stumbling block at this point. You all agree that something needs to be done about Indiana's roads and bridges. You, the estimates are anywhere from $800 million to a billion dollars a year in new money. And I think there's generally agreement, correct me if I'm wrong, that an increase in the gasoline uh, sales tax would be a way to do it. Ten, ten cents perhaps a gallon. That, okay, that's a gas tax. A gas tax, not the gas. Yeah, that's right. Forgive me. Because I'm going to, you know, you're reading my mind because I, I was getting, here, I was getting to the, uh, right. that's right. Well, I know you want to talk about Mr. Six Lane button there, but that's, <laughs> I mean, this, uh, how big of an impediment is this? Uh, the, there's an agreement on something needs to be done, but obviously, and this gets to what Senator Kenley was just alluding to, your budget would, in fact, direct Here's all this. of the gasoline sales tax revenue to roads and bridges. Correct. And the Senate doesn't want to do that because that would be uh, I think that, that would be a departure from the norm where sales taxes generally go into the, well, to the general cost. And as a more practical point, I think it creates a big hole in your budget. And so then are you going to have to cut education spending? What are you going to have to do? Are you going to have to raise another tax? And the House had the courage to deal with the issue. They faced up to it and raised the cigarette tax. Uh, dollar uh, per pack. That's uh, right. My concern there is I think the cigarette tax needs to be held in reserve for the federal relationship that you mentioned. If Medicaid dollars are if, not sufficient. You know, if they don't cover us, if they reduce the match, this HIP 2.0 has been a pretty successful program. We're going to need to take care of people in Indiana with some form of insurance. And I see that as the reserve there. Of course, there's a one alliance, what is it, Alliance for Healthier Indiana, that was, that was looking for a, a dollar and a half uh, tax. What if you did a devil's advocate, a dollar, you still leave yourself an allowance of 50 uh, cents? I'm not part of, I'm not one of the conferees, by the way. I'm right having here, a hard time answering that question. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, in, in yeah. my profession as a background, being a physician, I was looking at the health impact of it, that we do know that uh, young smokers who try it for the first time and pregnant women, uh, they are price sensitive. And so for the health policy, if we want Indiana to be a healthier state, a a place where millennials want to come because there's healthier lifestyles. I, uh, I was looking at the health policy first. Then I was taking the health policy and taking that dollar number and inserting it into the budget and using it. Of course, the irony is if it succeeds as a health policy, a public health policy, and reduces smoking, your, your cash flow right. tends to diminish. So, right. so where do you all, what do you want to see on this? Uh, I mean, you want to see smooth roads and safe bridges, but... Right, and, and we, we really do. And I, I think one thing, we talked about uh, the, the way stations. I mean, we don't, we, we, we're losing $60, $80 million a year in regards to not having the way station for the truckers that come through anymore. So, I mean, that's, to me, that's another revenue source. I mean, it's not a lot. Money but that's it's already a, there, we're just right, not taking, we're not taking part of it. So that, that's important to us also. Senator? Well, I tend to agree with, with Doc Brown. Um, it, we have already uh, sent the troops out, ginned this up. People are expecting us to do a cigarette tax this year. Mm -hmm. They're expecting that, that we do it, and I would rather do it now. Um, I know Senator Kenley's like looking to hold that in reserve, but I think people have already come to expect that we're going to do it, 
And, and here's another thing. We don't have to dedicate all of that money to roads or to fill that road, you know, hole from the sales tax. Um, we don't need to do that forever. Um, we know that we're talking about a possible uh, tolling situation at some time in the future. Seven or eight years, perhaps, down the road. I don't know. I think that's a long time. I mean, I come from the crossroads of Indiana. You know, I drive I-94 and I-65 all the time, and I know how much traffic goes across there that is out of state, huge trucks. 38%. They're, they're using our roads, roads, and we should be able to take some advantage of that and have them contribute to Indiana roads. So, so tolling, six that, lanes. I mean, six lanes. Six I'm not, lanes. I, we we got to explain the, the <coughs> opening a bowling alley here, but that's a, that's your advocacy <laughs> point. And, and what about this notion of I mean, is there a flex, is there any flexibility in your mind on? On the cigarette tax and so forth. Is it, when you get in, you your check marks and you're looking at your list there, and you're there's comparing and these. There's always flexibility, you. and one of the thing about the jobs that we have is is that you have to be willing to listen, think, be flexible, compromise. Maybe you do things. Sometimes we do things for our caucus that is not our personal preference, but that that's part of this particular job. Uh, so I just it's a possibility. And, yeah, and it's always a possibility. I I think my counter argument is. Don't pass any tax until you need the money for a good purpose, because if you pass it now, it's going to go somewhere else. And your button would suggest that's a project that would require tolling, right? That's your vision? I, I do think that's right. And actually, I think this is the major need that we have in Indiana. And I think it, Indiana has worked so hard to lift itself in people's eyes. And I think if everybody came in here and our two major arteries were six lanes all the way, brand new roads, people would be saying, you know what? Indiana really is ahead of the curve here. Thank they you. are doing the job. And, uh, and it, and, Actually, our worst need for our road funding is probably those two roads. I mean, they are difficult to drive, and they're not fun to drive. So um, I'm a six-lane man, and I'm, I'm not embarrassed about it. Well, well, clearly roads have gotten a lot of attention, a lot of headlines. Let's talk about schools and education, though, because that actually sure. makes up, what, 52% of, of the, the state's uh, budget. Point of contention has been funding for pre-kindergarten uh, expansion of the pilot program. That's something that your caucus has advocated. Right. We, we, we fully support that. We, uh, you know, education is a cornerstone of a free society. We want our children to be ready to move forward and, and do so you're in do step with, with Eric Holcomb, the governor, on this, that he, he wants to double it from $10 million in funding to, to the pilot program funding right. to $20 million. I mean, no more pilots. Just, just move forward. Just move we, we, we studied it enough. Fair enough. Is that what well, describe your the, position? The latest, the latest bill has this not being a pilot, has it being expanded to 92 counties, and I, <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'll take that and raise you. Okay. Well, we are going to get back to some yeah, poker right. here, I guess. Yeah. She's talking about. I think you, we Senator just moved Be the tax and spend program back over to that <laughs> side of the table. I felt a shift here. I mean, the cost per cohort, which is each grade level in our school system, under our formula, is about five hundred million dollars. So, if you're going to have universal pre-K, you're talking five hundred million dollars. Now, now let me suggest to you that without spending a lot of money on this, we are already spending a lot of money on pre-K activities. We spend $437 million each year, and 
we just convinced Congressman Jim Banks to file a bill to turn Head Start over to the states as a block grant, which is a good Republican philosophy. Yeah. And, and uh, Mike Lee, Utah Senator, has filed a copy of the bill in the Senate. So to me, that's a better source, a better way to do it, to get to the pe- And I think it needs to be for people of need. Uh, and that's why you have only, I mean, right. because you think there already is this universal I think there's uh, infrastructure, a lot there. $3 million is what you're seeking as well as a million dollars, I think it is, for uh, at-home, uh, virtual, online-driven uh, As I training. said, sometimes you do things for your caucus that you don't actually agree with yourself. And I'm not sure we need to do anything, but this okay. is our that's position. That's your concession. Yes. All right, argue the opposite point, because you wanted, your budget has $10 million. Well, and again, I think uh, the Speaker of the House and uh, leaders in our caucus and the education front have looked at it and the need, especially in the low-income categories. And I think uh, the point I do agree with Senator Kenley is it's the wraparound services that cost money. The education part of it's probably pretty simple, but it's the social needs. And is that, you know, what we need to look at maybe outside of education funding? We do need to look at the the human services, you know, the transportation issue, the health care costs related, maybe the counseling for the single mom in these wraparound services. And that's where you get the costs up above uh, five figures, you know, anywhere from twelve to $15,000 per child in the wraparound services. Well, a minute ago, you, you threw your support to Representative Brown. Let's, let's see if we can even the score here. Just overall K-12 funding, the Senate budget has more money earmarked or bigger increases for K-12 and for higher ed. Higher, higher, yes. So now you're, you're on, you're, pick, you're gonna hitch to a different wagon here. Is that fair enough? Or that, that, that's fair enough. I mean, we, you know, we will continue that conversation. I, it, it is important to us and I, I think uh, whatever we can do to help our educational outcomes will be, will, will, will benefit our state. Is the Senate budget sufficient, do you think, Senator? Well, I look at the percentage growth over each year, and what I see is that is that the revenue forecast percentage growth is more like two, three percent, and we're not keeping up with that two, three percent increase in the education budget. So I think that we need to add a little more money. Well, one area where it is an increase, though, is with with the voucher program and some of the uh, dollars that would be going into it is uh, and and. In our budget, we actually broke that out because we thought that the transparency had some value. It's a line item so that from now on, so you could you see prevail, what it is. you would be able to see exactly but, what's but going on. But I'm not embarrassed about doing that because there are many children who are in a better school because of the voucher opportunity. And from my perspective, the public schools, I think, have responded and are competing more and doing a better job. I think it's a real value-added proposition all the way around. And I know there's some little arguments about, well, this school isn't really that good or something like that, but uh, I think this is an important part of education reform that's making a difference. Let's be perfectly honest, you know, it's about the children and the parents. It's not about the corporations. It's not about the buildings or the adults. It's the parents and the children. And the growth in vouchers is because the number of students went up. It's not because they get in any extra amount. They get the same amount that's in the formula. And so, therefore, they should be in the formula. No, I, no, I think what we should do is what we've always talked about is lay it out. If it's virtual, how much is going to virtual? Charters, traditional public, and vouchers. Let the people see where the dollars are going. And I, and I applaud. And is that, I mean, is that a deal breaker for you? 
again, it is he about gave the, a little bit. You're going to give on your it, on his it, transparency. It is about the children. He's not, not about the corporations. Not, not today. Not, <laughs> not, not today. Not today. Not. I mean, that's because it sounds like that's not. You're you've dug in on that. That's your line in the sand. Uh, it, it's not necessarily a line in the sand. It's something that I feel strongly about, that it's about the children and the parents. It's not about the corporations or the buildings. But couldn't it be about the, the children and still be broken out, perhaps, as a line item? It or is what? on the last page of the run. It, maybe we'll put a, a line in the budget, see the last page of the school run. There we go. Trip yeah, I've, had that, the budget. I've <laughs> had that on our agenda. Senate Democrats have been filing that bill for, what, four years I was been so doing tired it. of arguing against that amendment on the floor from Senator Italian that I just finally caved in. Yeah. See? Well, Every I, once in a while you do Dr. Brown, we just caved into our amendments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, is there any, you know, originally the session, you know, if you looked at the initial calendars or projections, it was going to be the 29th. We're almost out of time here as you are with the session, but now it's the, perhaps the 21st. Any reason? And clearly this is, this is driving the, the bus, the, the budget discussion. You going to get it done by the 21st, do you think? That's our I goal. See, that's I right. see a goal. I see... Yes. 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 I, I, I think oh. we can. I think it's uh, somewhat tight, but I think there's no reason we can't do it because every day we're just getting more requests for more money, so we might as well just make a decision and go home. Even if it's just five lines, you come away. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't know. Thank you for giving us a glimpse behind the curtain and in, uh, sharing some of your thoughts on how that money Great. should, in fact, be spent. We'll be watching in the coming days. Again, my guests have been Republican Representative Tim Brown of Crawfordsville, Democratic Representative Greg Porter of Indianapolis, Republican Senator Luke Kenley of No and Democratic Senator Karen Talian of Portage. As the 2017 session winds down, the caucus leaders return to tell us what passed, what didn't, and why on the next Indiana Lawmakers. Time now for our weekly conversation with Ed Feigenbaum, publisher of the newsletter Indiana Legislative Insight. Ed, we did see uh, with the updated forecast another $200 million perhaps in revenue over the biennium. What do you think that, uh, will that make it easier or more difficult? That's a variation of a question I ask these folks. Yeah, I think Senator Kinley refers to it as, as petty cash, and to, to you and me it wouldn't be. And I think, you know, in previous administrations we've, we've heard that referred to also as, as chump change. And, and sure, that helps. The good news about the, the revenue collection forecast was that there was no bad news in it. You know, it wasn't as, as much as they might have hoped for in terms of additional revenue, but it wasn't bad news either, and, and there is some... There is new money. The problem is everybody keeps asking for it. As, as one member of, of Senator Kinley's Appropriations Committee said uh, a couple weeks ago during committee hearings, he said, I've never had anybody come to me and ask for less money. <laughs> and I guess the projection of more money does breed more requests. Uh, Absolutely, and, and, and gives them some flexibility, too. You know, Senator Kinley put some things into it in third reading, a uh, quarter million dollars for the USS Indianapolis commissioning ceremony, another quarter million dollars for other veterans programs. There seems to be, and, and we saw this two years ago in, in the end game, there seems to be money for things that the governor might want that the, the Senate finally says, or Senator Kenley and, and Representative Brown say that, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll give the governor the benefit of the doubt on these kinds of things. You know, if it's five million here, 10 million there, and, and that, that extra cushion helps. Let me ask you about the governor. We talked, we asked the folks here at the roundtable about what goes on behind closed doors in the conference committees. Obviously, the governor has a stake in these discussions. How do you sense, how, what leverage is he employing in these final days of the session? 
He's, he's employing a very interesting strategy this year, and, and it may pay off in, in big dividends for him. He's not going out and pounding people um, around the state, you know, in a, a bombastic manner, saying, oh, we need this for that, and you've got to give us this, and, and, and really forcing them or mousetrapping them. He's meeting very quietly, individually, with, with different legislators, with different caucuses. He's met with the Rural Caucus, with the Black Caucus. And he's doing his, his lobbying on these things on a one-on-one -on -one kind of basis. And I think that, that might, might pay off in, in another 10 days. Well, we shall see. Ed, thank you as always for your insight. For more information, episode streams, and other extra content, visit us on the web at wfyi.org lawmakers. You can access live streaming coverage of the General Assembly on the Internet as well. And remember, you can get our show on demand from Xfinity. Well, that concludes another edition of Indiana Lawmakers. I'm John Chuanis, and on behalf of WFYI Public Media, Indiana's other public broadcasting stations, and my colleagues Ed Feigenbaum and Eric Weddle, I thank you for joining us, and I invite you to visit WFYI.org for more statehouse coverage. Until next week, take care. Purdue researcher Phil Owens is creating new ways to map soil functions, improve plant growth, and increase crop yields, leading through innovation and job creation. Purdue Research Foundation. Contact innovation at prf.org.